1: You are locked on Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Did you call, Hank? I call, Hank. Gilbert, fade away.
0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Ben Sandick here for another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Hope everybody got some sleep after a late night Wednesday Wizards losing to the Lakers, uh, in overtime. Not their cleanest effort. I don't know if they've had a clean effort this year, but they're 3 and 1. They're facing Golden State on Friday. On this here podcast, gonna talk a little, a little bit about that, so, some more about the Lakers, and also just a little bit about, um, the the scene in LA, some key stats, and more with friend of the podcast, David Duvall. He is the, I don't know what his official title is, but he is the man behind the stats and the graphics on the Wizards broadcast on the, what is it now, NBC Sports, or NBC Washington Sports, I don't know, I, I should know about this since I do some work for them still, but uh <laughs> he, he'll he be on with me here, uh, we, we talked earlier today. Uh, but he was, he's out in LA, so we talked a little bit about the last night's game, looked ahead of the Warriors. I would say if you're sort of just, we went a little bit longer than I anticipated. If you want to just sort of get into the Warriors part, I'd probably say just jump ahead, jump to the last, like say, 10 minutes of the podcast. The first 10, 15 minutes or so, we talk more about what happened in, uh, in LA. And in the middle, we get into some stats and some randomness as well. Uh, of course, I also, did a recap following the Lakers game. You can find that on iTunes. Now, one thing I do need to let you guys know, I don't know how many people, I don't know, subscribe to the podcast on Audio Boom or just listen straight that way. Uh, but as of, I believe today, the locked on podcast network has moved. Audio Boom, no more. We are now part of Panoply, Panoply, which I didn't never heard of, but apparently that's where I think Malcolm Gladwell's podcast is, is, is housed and a bunch of other ones that I don't, I, I listen to some podcasts. I don't listen to tons, I guess. Uh, well, I, I, I strike that. I listen to a bunch of podcasts. I just don't know if I listen to anything that's from Panoply. In any event, if you do an RSS feed, you're going to want to, uh, change it up. Uh, I will, if I have the link, I will tweet that out from at Ben Standig or at Locked On Wizards. But, uh, hopefully it's good for all involved. I'm told it's good. We shall see. It's mostly has not, it shouldn't really have any bearing on, on anything for you guys. It's mostly about how things are run on the back end and some help with, um, advertising and things along those lines. So hope it's for the best. We will see. Um, the plan is hopefully to do a podcast after the Wizards Warriors game. It will be another late night. There's a chance I may be going out to watch it, which could impede that podcast idea or maybe make it even better. Who knows? Uh, but I will hopefully, I, if, if I don't do it straight up after the game, I will do one at least on Saturday. Uh, the Wizards also are playing the Sacramento Kings on Sunday, the the Kings are on TV right now against the Pelicans, and if the, if these are the Kings of the Wizards' face, could be a very interesting game. But we don't want to jump ahead. There's no point jumping ahead when you've got the Warriors. Should be all kinds of fun. Obviously, a huge test for the Wizards. Even if the Wizards had beaten the Lakers and, and were four zero going into this game, you know the, the 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 jump from the teams that they've played to Golden State is ginormous. Now, I, I talk about this with David, not just because Golden State is. The best team in the league, but because, you know, three of the four teams that the Wizards have played may not even make the playoffs. And Denver, while I think Denver is actually a pretty good team, you know, they're sort of floundering a little bit out of the gate. So it's a huge leap for the Wizards against Golden State. Obviously Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. I mean, that's it right there. But then we've got, Golden State's got a, I think arguably a deeper bench this year. They add Nick Young, they add Omri Caspi. You got JaVale McGee around, so JaVale McGee Nick Young, you, that alone is gonna be a fun, uh, fun time. And I say fun, that, that's, uh, I, that term, your mileage may vary on fun with those two guys. But, in any event, let's get into this here with David Duvall. You can, of course, I, I should mention, you can follow David on Twitter, at McNubian, M-C-N-U-B-I-A-N. You can follow me at Ben Sandig. And, uh, you know, if, uh, end up going out for the game tomorrow night, if people are in D.C. and wanna go out, I don't know. Hit me up on Twitter, at Ben Standing. If I'm going out and if I feel adventurous to let people know where we're going, I'll let you know. But if you're interested, hit me up at Ben Standing or email me, bstanding1 at gmail.com. All right, let's get into this. Here's my conversation with David Duvall, part of the Wizards broadcast. Uh, here we go. All right, and as promised, here with me, he is up. I mean, I feel like I'm up early because it was a late night here on the East Coast, but he's legitimately on the West Coast, super early. Talking to me after that, Wizards loss last night. The man behind this, all the stats and graphics on the NBC Sports Washington Wizards broadcast, the guy that makes Steve Buckhantz look look even smarter, Mr. David hey David, why, why did you agree to talk to me so early on a on a day after a game?
2: That's a great question, Ben. <laughs> um, you know, eight o'clock comes pretty quick out here on the West Coast for some reason, uh, but uh, you know, it's a four game road trip and it's. It's an earlier than normal trip, and uh, it, it's, it's sort of when, when the schedule came out, we all said, "Oh wow, that's just about the first time they've gone out west that early," and we knew uh, it would be an interesting set of games, and it has uh, transpired that way.
0: <laughs> I don't, I don't actually know this. How long have you been doing going on the road with the Wizards? Or I'm not sure if you were on the road before teams. How long have you been kind of going on these on these road trips?
2: uh with the wizards i've been going since the 05 06 season okay so So, like 12 years
0: so you were obviously 12 years or so okay so you were obviously a fan before that i'm curious like when you used to hear about road trips and oh they may be tired were you one of those people that were like oh get over yourself there's no tired what do you mean you're playing sports how hard is it or or and and if so like you now now that you have to do a lot of that traveling are you like oh i kind of get it like now that you're on the you know, you're going to yeah. Cisco next week. Well, I'm already tired here.
2: The Of all the major sports, the NBA travel is probably the most rigorous. Um, just in terms of, you know, you can be in four different cities in five nights. They don't, you know, now they're kind of getting away from those uh, schedules. But there have been road trips when literally, you know, by the fifth night in the fourth different city, you forget what room you're in. <laughs> just because you had so many different room keys and everything's been a blur. So, yeah, it's, uh, one. you know, as a fan, you're like, ah, oh, come on, man, you, you guys get the best hotels and comfortable planes and this and that. But uh, trust me, getting in and out of these cities with weather and and all types of delays that normal travelers have to deal with, Yeah, by the end of that trip, you're definitely ready to be like, all right, it's time to go home. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, I, I think it is one of those things we we don't uh, appreciate. That said, I'm not putting that I'm not putting travel on what happened with the Wizards yesterday. Uh, maybe I'll not at maybe, all. Maybe I'll put the L.A. flu on it if if we want to go down that that path. I, it's the South Beach flu. Do they do they have a specific quote unquote disease for going to L.A. or is it just
2: the same thing? I don't know. So the palm tree itis. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it was an interesting game from the standpoint of uh. You know, when they were actually ahead at halftime, 49-45, and you're thinking, all right, um, you know, normally this season, the formula has been like they're kind of behind at halftime or maybe tied. And then the third quarter, they've kind of exerted their uh, will, so to speak, on their opponents. Um, and it has followed that formula, too. They had a 10-point lead late in the third. So you're kind of thinking, all right. And then suddenly Mr. Chris Miller wants to sit down with LeVar Ball. And... uh it was almost like, uh, you know, <laughs> I think uh, Steve Buckhans called him LeVar Crystal Ball at one point. <laughs> um, yeah. a, a, lot, a lot of the things he said just suddenly started coming, th- coming true at a time when it just didn't look like they were going to have it. I mean, you know, Larry Nance Jr. had a triple-double before the fourth quarter, and uh, I don't think he played much in the fourth quarter. So, you know, it was, it was a weird formula uh, that Luke Walton followed. He was sort of bouncing around with his lineups. But he found a lineup that worked, and and over time, they they got it done.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's weird. Like, you know, games have ebbs and flows, and and just because at some point you're either you know lethargic or you know incredibly motivated, doesn't mean that's going to last. But when the Wizards start the game, missing their first seven or eight shots, and the Lakers had some had some little extra pep and it got a lead even though the Wizards came back you know fairly quickly and tied it and then you know they had 10 point right. leads in the in other parts of the game including in the fourth quarter it just never felt like they really were completely engaged or completely you know focused to take them down I mean all this talk about John's gonna kick Lonzo's butt and torture and all that I, I I don't know if that like almost like I don't want to say psyched them out because that, that would be kind of silly but they, they just never seem to live up it. I guess it's more to the point. They seem to just treat this as a game against a bad team, the way we would typically see a, a, a big favorite against a bad team. You sort of look past them on the road, especially with golden state up next. It's, a, it's almost a classic trap game. And yet I felt like none of us were treating it like that part. Cause it's the fourth right. team of the year and part because of the Lonzo ball part. But yeah, they just seem to, for the most part, kind of walk through the whole thing.
2: Yeah. And I will say the Dodgers, uh, it was noticeable how they siphoned away some of the interest um, from the Lakers. Uh, they were even putting some of the highlights, you know, on the big jumbotron at Staples Center. Uh, the loudest cheer was probably when YSL uh, Puig went deep in the 10th. Um, it, you know, even the players kind of looked up like, what, what's going on? Uh, so that was sort of, a, you know, like hung over uh, sort of the specter of what was going on. Uh, so it was sort of a weird night from the standpoint. Of the fans, I don't think, got super engaged almost until the fourth quarter comeback. Um, and so once the Dodgers game was over. So it was sort of an afterthought kind of uh, with the fans uh, to some degree as well. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those deals where you could look at the free throws, what, eight missed free throws. I feel like there was four misses maybe in the last 30 seconds of the fourth and into overtime, uh, those were all pretty costly. Um, and, you know, the minutes pile up. Brad and John both play 40-plus, you know, and as you get into overtime, that starts to add up. I think uh, Luke did a pretty good job with his front court. I mean, Brooke Lopez played 22, 23 minutes, Man's 24. Uh, Ingram played heavy minutes, 39. Um, but it felt like Randall and Clarkson gave the requisite lift and and Kuzma off the bench. Um, So the Wizards kind of played with fire a little bit last night, and they, you know, they ended up getting burned. Um, I think the lesson going forward, though, is that, uh, you know, games like this, it's good to know that, you know, games that you think you should win, suddenly, you know, you can find a way to lose, and that lesson, as long as you know, it doesn't damage them in the standings, could be a good lesson to take forward when they play the Phoenixes and some of these teams coming up that on paper you would say the Wizards are clearly superior.
0: Um, you know, I want to get back to the Wizards and the stats in a sec, but you mentioned that the scene maybe there was not the norm because of the Dodgers situation. Whenever I think of a Lakers game, you always think, okay, well, hey, what celebrities are, are there? I don't. Or, right, there was no Jack Nicholson sighting last night, right?
2: He, I didn't see him. No, there wasn't. Jack wasn't there. Um, I believe, I mean, obviously, uh, Lavar was there. Um, you know, it's funny, I, you know, Jared Jeffries was there. He's a scout for the Nuggets. That does not uh, count. Bumped into him a little bit. Yeah. That does not count. No. Uh, although, as a side note, I will say, uh, in Denver, uh, Earl Boykins was there. Uh, so, we've kind of bumped into a couple former Wizards, Earl Boykins in Denver, Jared Jeffries in L.A. So, uh, that's some of the, the fun part of traveling to people you kind of run into in the hallways and the media rooms and you know the the floor during warm-ups um and uh you know earl earl was uh was he was a fun player for the wizards while he was here uh and his best years were in denver so he was obviously uh you know just about everyone that ran into earl that night in denver he was getting handshakes so so but uh yeah celebrity last night the biggest celebrity last night would probably be, who did we see? Um... <sighs> you know what? That's that's a good question. I don't recall seeing anybody that would jump out at you because I think the Dodgers may have siphoned everybody away. Wow. I mean, they were probably some, you know, more B-level celebrities. Um, I believe uh, Mia Khalifa was there. Um, but you know, she's, she's sort of a new age celebrity. Um, uh, but in terms of like entrenched Hollywood folks, not anyone that jumps out at me.
0: Well, that's interesting on some
2: weird level in
0: that it, it does feel like John has been very good playing in LA typically. And obviously the wizards have not always been great, but they've been interesting enough the last few years. And you know, you would, you know, I don't know. I'm wondering if on some odd level. He looked around the room and was like, man, what, uh, is everybody. Where is <laughs> what's going on here?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a light late arriving crowd. Obviously, you know, the World Series began five local and uh, the Wizards tipped off at 7.30 local. And so, yeah, it was, you know, by the time the game tipped off, uh, Dodgers' throws were definitely in the thick of things. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it, it was a different type of energy early on. Um, I think being on ESPN, though, obviously there was a little bit of that juice too. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, you, you look at Luke Walton and you say, all right, um, he had sort of an interesting rotation. Um, and if the Wizards hit their free throws late and find a way to seal that game, the story might be, you know, you know, how come Larry Nance didn't play much in the fourth quarter and they'll find a way to nitpick him. Um, with these games being so close, um, you know, whoever in whatever coach ends up losing can sort of get nitpicked um, just to fit the narrative. But, you know, by and large, I think the Wizards, um, you know, had their moments to win the game. And, uh, again, they could have easily gotten a loss in Denver had, uh, you know, Jokic not decided to sort of just walk without looking where he was going. Uh, That game could have changed dramatically as well. So there'll there'll be nights where, um, you know, you learn a lesson about closing games and, like I said as, as long as this doesn't become a trend I think Scott Brooks could say hey remember what happened in L- LA and that could be sort of a uh, a way to rally the team at times when 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 maybe they're not meeting the moment or playing to the level of their opponent
0: well you know it's interesting you said you know that uh you know you point out obviously if things didn't work out right last night and they almost didn't work out in Denver they almost didn't work out at home either i mean the, every game the Wizards has come down to the last yeah. minute and in at least three of the games, I can't remember how far ahead they were in Denver, at least in three of the games, they had pretty sizable leads in the fourth quarter, and they blew them all throughout. And, you know, I know last year it was an easy sort of say, hey, the bench, the bench, the bench. And there were some, like, in that Philly game, especially when Scott Brooks was going with, like, an all-bench lineup, it was a little yep. bit – it wasn't so good. Last night, you know, I'm not a big plus-minus stat guy. It can be, you know, sometimes not make sense. But for the most part, the plus-minus mm-hmm. numbers for the bench guys – were all positive, and at same yeah. with Otto Porter who was playing with them, it was the starters where things were wrong. I mean, John Wall's a minus twelve, and Lonzo Ball, who didn't play, I didn't think particularly well, was a plus thirteen. Again, maybe skewing that stat. Yeah. The the fact that they've been that they haven't been closing these leads, that they're three and one and almost were four and zero, oh, is like okay, they're doing all right. But you know, it's a little. I haven't watched them this year and thought to myself yet, boy. This is a team playing at a level that says to me they're going to the Eastern Conference final. Good enough to win, obviously, exactly. but not great. You seeing anything that would have you being a little more concerned than again just one loss, the fact that these games they haven't blowing these leads or maybe to the point is there any like sort of stat that jumps out to you that just sort of shows that maybe they're not quite all
2: the way there yet? Well, the three-point shooting. I mean, they you know, I'm not expecting this team to be Top four or five in terms of percentage or makes, but uh I'm not expecting them to be bottom five I mean right now um they really haven't hit their stride and auto's played great um for the most part uh let me foul it out last night, only the second time in his career um but again, you know he's been playing very well for the most part, and he hasn't really hit his stride with the threes um There was a stretch last year what felt like you know, he every game he was two for three, three for four. He was just cooking from distance. Uh, obviously, Brad hasn't really gotten his stroke. Uh, Kelly's hit some timely threes uh, as well, and Jody's been uh, pretty solid from there. But you get the feeling that there could be a game where three or four guys make two or three shots and the percentages are up near 50%. Um, that would be something that would sort of be an indicator that, okay, you know, this team is really, the ball's moving side to side, they're getting good shots, corner threes, even some on the break. Um, That would be an indicator to me that, all right, this team is starting to look like one that could be playing well into May, you know, maybe represent um, in the conference finals. But so far this year, I haven't seen a sustained level that makes you think that uh, they've reached that level but it's understandable obviously they're down the starting power forward jason smith has hasn't played more than 20 minutes all season um and he was a guy that was one of the main i think uh contributors when they started hitting their stride last december and january when they really started winning some games the play of jason smith was um one of the things you could point to so it's early it's uh you know they're they're playing they're playing well enough to win most of these games, um, which is probably what you would expect for a team that's that's been assembled together for so long. Um, so you know early early grade, you know after four games, I think collectively you probably have to give them a BB plus um, nothing that really jumps out that they're not doing well consistently. Um the rebounding was tough. I mean, I don't getting out rebounded by kind of Larry Nance ten to three. Um but that can happen. I mean Larry Larry Nance is a guy that, you know, isn't gonna get plays run for him. Um and he's not really trying to beat you up the dribble, which is Otto's strength, sort of guarding his man one on one. He's more of a sort of just crashing boards and and doing those type of things. So that that's that's a tough matchup and, and Ubre on Ingram, I mean that's you know, Ingram's one guy that's longer than Ubre. So Oubre's strengths kind of get mitigated by Ingram's strengths. Um, so they, so Porter and Oubre normally have sort of a, a natural advantage when they play together. Uh, I think uh, last night that advantage was kind of mitigated by uh, Ingram and Vance.
0: Hey, everyone. A quick break here for a word from our sponsor for this episode, SeatGeek. Uh, look, obviously the Wizards are on the road. So if you want to go see them, uh, hey, I guess if you're in – out west in golden state or sacramento area you can get tickets you can use the SeatGeek geek app i'm sure it will work there if you're a dc person though and you want to see them when they get back what is it november 1st against the suns and november 3rd against cleveland and lebron james one way to do it is with the seamless mobile experience that you get from SeatGeek, where you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Uh, SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and you get the most bang for your buck because SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Now, I've told you guys this before. There, it's pretty simple. You just gotta download the SeatGeek app tied to your phone. For those of you who are unaware of such things, you download it to your phone, you want to enter this promo code, L-O N B A. L-O as in locked on NBA. If you do that, you'll get twenty bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. So how about that? You get to go see LeBron James, say, on November 3rd, and you get to save 20 bucks. In the process, use that 20 bucks to buy, I don't know, one beer. I don't know. I haven't bought a beer over there in a while at, what, Cap One Arena. I'm joking. I'm joking if you're listening. But it's kind of expensive, right? It's not just there. Anywhere you go out is going to be expensive. And that's the great thing here. Seek Geek will help you save money so you can go out and spend it on other things that night. So, Wizards back November 1st. If you're interested in seeing them and you want to save a little bit of money in the process... Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O-N-B-A. All right, here we go. Back to my conversation with David Duvall, part of the Wizards broadcast crew. Yeah, You know, you, you mentioned the three-point shooting. I mean, it's weird to look at the numbers. I mean, Beal is shooting 26.3%, Otto's only yeah. at 33.3%. Um, Jason Smith hasn't even made one. Like you said, he hasn't even played much, but like, he was a guy who was you know, making a ton last year, and obviously no Marquise Morris. So you have two guys who aren't even essentially even helping you with that at all, and two other guys who were are probably your best two, uh, at least among the starters, and they're not hitting those shots. I really do think, the, you know, I, I've said this before. I think I said it last year. I've said it during the off season. Marquise Morris isn't the best player on the Wizards, but on some weird level, he may be the hardest one to replace. Like I know that obviously as a pure talent, replacing John is is, is a challenge, but Marquise to me was like that when he last year, that two month stretch, when he was making threes and he, and, and, and you know, that, when that team was, you know, had that home winning court, uh, home winning streak going mm-hmm. and all that, he, he, his development unlocked the whole thing. I felt that that went and yep. especially what he can do on both ends of the court. Now when you take him away, you know, not only are you losing a guy who could battle the Larry Nance kind of guy on the boards and, you know, d- and defend and all that, but, he you know, he he was just making those threes. I mean, Oubre is hitting a decent percentage. Um, I just feel like with Ubre on some level, you know, he's still so young. I, I get a lot, but like you never quite know what he's going to do in a moment. And I think there's like a – I think it probably messes with the flow somewhat. Like I'm not picking on him for whatever happened yesterday. I'm just saying like, Morris is yeah. a little more stable uh, of a figure. And it just feels like that offense is missing him more than maybe I think some people kind of realize.
2: No doubt. And I think to your point, I think Oubre's impact as a bench player um, becomes um, even more important with Marquise back in the starting role, uh, because now, um, you know, Oubre doesn't when he starts, maybe he's consciously thinking about not picking up two fouls, and things like that. When he comes off the bench, he can kind of just be, you know, his normal chaotic self um, and not worry as much about picking up a quick foul here and there. Um, and, and this year, I think he's he's improved um, in terms of just picking up the silly fouls that he was doing last year. Uh, so that already, you can kind of see a progression. But uh, to your point about Keith, I, I, yeah, I totally agree. I think that he's sort of the X factor to this team from the standpoint of uh, just a good two-way impact, a guy that can rebound, stretch the floor, uh, play tough. Um, a lot of times... He's the recipient of a lot of John's alley-oops in the half-court set, um, which, you know, always gets the assist up over 10 for John, it seems. So when, when he's back, I think you'll see this team be able to sort of pull away in some of these fourth quarters. Um, five, six-point leads can now maybe go to 9-10, and maybe you'll see them be able to put away the teams that they need to put away uh, once he returns.
0: Alright, so uh I would be uh a very bad podcast host if I didn't ask the guy behind the stats for some stats. So so before I get you out of here, let me ask you about some stats. Okay, so we're we're still relatively early in the year. We can still have sort of season preview thoughts on the brain. When you're when you're getting ready, when you're prepping in the offseason, you're you're gearing up for this team. Was there any, like, one stat that for you is sort of like you, you kind of look to or you, you notice it stood out as like, yeah, this is the stat. Maybe it doesn't tell the season, but this is a stat you're, you're tracking. One that you think is important, whether it's for an individual player or the team, why they, why they were successful last year, what's, what, what, the, what the concern is. Any one sort of stat that sort of stood out to you?
2: Well, there's always a couple couple stats that jump out at you, but one of them is for, uh, for Otto. And in particular, just how unusually uh, efficient he is um, with his steals to turnover rate. You know, a lot of times it's not uncommon for, you know, a, a player that, you know, you, the assist to turnover ratio and things of that nature. But Otto uh, last year was averaging like two and a half steals for every turnover. And he was going, there were some games, I think there was maybe a stretch of six games where he played 30-plus minutes and didn't have a turnover. Um, you know, that's pretty amazing efficiency. Again, he's a low-usage player. He's not doing a whole lot of one-on-ones and things of that nature. But uh, a lot of times in those scenarios, John is throwing, you know, fast pa- you know passes on the break and, and sort of going Mach 5 in transition. And his ability to minimize turnovers um, is like at a historic level. <laughs> it really is uh, for the minutes he logs. Uh, so that's one that that always track. Another one is well, for. Wait, wait, uh, by the
0: way, just, just to that point, I just looked it up. Right now, through four games, he's averaging a half a turnover a game and three point yep. three steals.
2: I know. I mean, I mean, I mean, about it, he's had two turnovers in a hundred and thirty nine minutes. I mean, that's like I said. I mean, he's not doing a whole lot on one on ones and clear outs and things of that nature. But the, the Wizards do play a high risk, high reward style of basketball. And for him to have just two turnovers in, like, almost 140 minutes, it always boggles the mind just uh, how efficient that really is.
0: Um, one, one stat that I've I, I been mentioning this last few days, um, I, I saw this on NBA.com. I think their, their Wizards preview from a stats perspective had this. And it stood out to me, especially watching the game last night, because it felt like the offense was a little bit stagnant, too much one-on-one. You think of the Wizards as a as a really good passing team, ball movement, things like that, especially with John Wall, but the NBA.com mm-hmm. had a stat that the Wizards were 29 last year in average passes per game, and the only team yes. that was lower than them was Oklahoma City, which makes sense cuz you've got Russell West. That makes sense. So I was confused by that almost, and then you watch what happened um Last night, and it did feel there was a lot more one-on-one. I mean, I guess if John's doing the assist, but he's got the ball in his hand, he's being ball-dominant, and he's the one doing it. It's not like the ball is moving side to side to side. But, they, I mean, they do have exactly. some, I guess, in my head. I guess maybe they're not do, they're not doing it as much as I think, clearly, based on that. And last night, you definitely didn't see that type of ball action.
2: Yeah, I feel like Tim Frazier is, has the earmarks of kind of a ball-dominant point guard as well. Uh, it's only 54 minutes in four games. Again, fairly small sample size, but just the eye test, I think he does uh, a lot of uh, dribbling. Uh, originally, when I met and envisioned him with the team, you know, I thought maybe he'd be playing with uh, maybe Ransky a little more, and then you know, you'd maybe see like sort of them trading off ball handling responsibilities. Uh, but Sato clearly is not in Scotty Brooks' rotation just yet, so it, it feels like Frazier is kind of mimicking John uh in terms of just uh sort of the ball hailing duties and and how ball dominant he is as well. So that trend to your point may may maybe not be 29th but it may hold up uh for the majority of the, for the season um that you know they they don't have that many passes per game.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, and, and I guess my other players, I mean, like like Gortat can pass, Markeith. I think is a, a sneaky good passer, Otto.
2: Absolutely. Well,
0: but but um, it so so they have the makings for for that. But yeah, I mean, I guess I mean certainly this year. Like you know, my memory's so bad, I forgot what I had for lunch yesterday. But
2: uh, <laughs> but
0: you know, looking just so far this year, it definitely just hasn't felt as crisp. then I go back to the marquee situation. Um, now a team that has does not have that issue is the Golden State Warriors. they, they move the ball quite well, and you know, it's one of the things that makes them so great. Isn't it's not just that they have all these amazing shooters, but all these guys are willing passers and very good passers, including you know Draymond Green and so on. Absolutely. So that's the next matchup for the Wizards. Obviously, Friday night, big game. It's a, it's a little bummer that they, it would have been, it would have been a little bit more fun for this next game if they were 4 0, but it is what it is. It'll still, yeah. It'll still be all kinds of fun. Any, I'm sure you're working on uh, your, your 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 notes for the game, uh, sort of for that. Any, any stat that jumps out to you in terms of the Wizards? I, I, I can't be, it's hard to see there's any stat that shows a Warrior's weakness, but is there any stat, I guess, from that game that you think that you kind of look at and think this is key for the Wizards?
2: Well, uh I think you know, three point efficiency is gonna be pretty big, um, early on. Um, I don't think they can consistently come out, you know, going, you know, two for seven, you know, one for six. Um their ability to, you know, hit some perimeter shots early I think is gonna be important because uh, you know, A it's gonna keep them sort of honest at their defending stations and then B it'll it'll also open up some driving lanes. And the Wizards so far have been good as a team uh, getting to the free throw line. Uh, and that's going to be important because, uh, you know, one of the formulas, I think, to beating the Warriors um, is finding ways to sort of at- attack Draymond Green specifically. Um, he is a little foul-prone. Um, he is a little bit, you know, squirrely at times. And so if you can find ways to sort of mitigate Draymond with fouls or getting frustrated and things of that nature, I think that improves um, your already sort of dim prospects of beating the Warriors, especially out there in Oracle. Uh, That's going to be a a real tough task. Uh, But I I would say early on, just three-point efficiency, obviously keeping the turnovers low. um, And that would be a good recipe for, Staying in the game and, and not look up the scoreboard and wondering, you know, holy crap, how are we down 15 already in the second quarter? Because that's, you know, as we know with the Warriors, I mean, their their spurtability, as Clark Kellogg likes to say, is uh, it, it's, it's so remarkable. They can kind of put you away in one quarter uh, and then, you know, with going up plus 15, plus 16, and then suddenly just kind of holding you off the rest of the game just on the strength of how well they played, you know, for one thirty to 40-point quarter.
0: And, you know, <clears throat> even if the Wizards were 4-0 right now, other than Denver, three of the four teams they faced may not make the playoffs. I mean, they haven't – I mean, right. they're, they're taking a big step up in town, not just because Golden State's the best team, but they really haven't gone right. up against any team that's any kind of real contender. Uh, so it'll be a big leap. Golden State certainly has not been completely – uh, Engaged themselves yet. They've had a couple of losses and and so yeah, on. Absolutely. But so, you know, the, like you said, the talent is there. And, and, and by the way, you mentioned Draymond Green. Like I, I said, that Marquise Morris is maybe the, diff, the most difficult guy on some level for the you know at least for a game or two for the Wizards to replace. Mm-hmm. I'd say what I think Draymond Green is like so underrated. I know he gets a lot of attention, but you know Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are the, the faces of that team and Clay Thompson. You can't. You can take out any one of those three guys, and I think they'll be fine. If you take out Draymond Green, yep. he does so much for them.
2: I completely agree. I mean, he—he,
0: he, yeah. you know, we talk about Westbrook's averaging a triple double. West, or you know, last year, Draymond Green this year, nine points a game, eight point two rebounds, eight point four assists. That doesn't even factor in how much of he's a pain in the ass to the opponent, the energy he exactly provides, that he can guard yep. basically one to five kind of um, yeah. So he is a, such a big uh, X factor for that. And the fact that the Wizards don't have Markeith Morris.
2: I exactly. Think that's, that's a, the a tough problem you, this game Because Keith is the kind of guy that could maybe get under Draymond's screen a little, skin a little bit. You know, maybe maybe have him pick up a few fouls and things of that nature. And and Draymond is really the spark plug to that team. I mean, in the first game against Houston, um, you know, Golden State's cruising along, cruising along. And Draymond bangs his knee and leaves the game. and suddenly. Houston clicks, and I don't think that was just coincidence. I mean, Draymond leaving opened up the window uh, for the comeback. I mean, that's how important he is, how vital he is to uh, to their attack. Uh, I, looking back to the game in D.C., uh, the one Durant, I think, got hurt in the first, what, 90 seconds, I think it was? Yeah. Um, that was a strange game. Uh, I really think that that was a game where um, Durant was probably going to get heckled pretty hard. Um and again if he stays healthy, knows? I mean, I'm sure the Warriors might find a way to win that game. Um, but it was an interesting game and in that they split last year, obviously. Um the the Wizards haven't had any success really out there in Oracle. Um and it's gonna be uh you know a real tough task obviously. It'd be interesting to see uh Nick Young who didn't play yesterday. I'm not sure if he was banged up, or if that was a DNP coach's decision, um, but JaVale, Nick, Sean Livingston—they've got some familiar faces, obviously. The Wizards fans know, uh, and and obviously, in maybe Sean Livingston's case, <laughs> people feel like maybe he was a backup that got away for John. Um, but it's uh, there's a lot of little subplots to the storylines, but um, you know, I I I think the Wizards it would behoove them to to come out and from the jump ball playing well moving the ball offensively uh defensively um the warriors are one of those funny teams where you know they can have 27 points in the first quarter and you could be actually playing pretty decent defense um it's almost impossible to measure the points they score versus the defense you play uh because they make such tough shots but um you know as, as long as the shots are contested um you know, you have to feel defensively that eventually um, maybe you'll start to uh, wear them down a little bit if you're, you know, matching up properly. But once, you know, once they once the three start falling and they start pulling up from further out and, you know, Draymond's doing everything, uh, you know, and the crowd's going crazy. I mean, obviously there's going to be some moments where the Warriors are getting into a flow, but uh, the Wizards defensively are going to have to, you know sustain some stretches where you know they force them to at least take some tough shots
0: yeah i mean that you know everybody talks about that death lineup for golden state and you know obviously just really nobody's been able to to just slow that down but when the wizards have Moores, they have a team that can match up fairly well without Moores, i really will be interested to see what scott brooks does with that fifth player marchin gortat yeah. really is a can't deal with draymond green on the perimeter but if you go with mike scott i don't really know if if that's a great answer, part of me almost thinks, you know what? Screw it. Put Kelly Oubre on Draymond, and maybe bring Jody Meeks out and go with another shooter. But the, yeah. if they have Morris, they don't have an obvious fit against Draymond. And again, it's they wouldn't be the only team, but it is one of those moments where you realize that not having Morris is a um, is is an issue, a potential issue. Yeah,
2: yeah, I agree. This this is probably the first night of the season where you're like, man, it'd be <laughs> it would be nice to have your starting five intact. Uh, you didn't really feel that way, Philly or Detroit. You felt like, yeah, we can find a way to win. Um, but this, this, this feels like uh, a really, really tough task minus one of your key guys. Uh, it's essentially because of, as we talked about, just how special Draymond can be. Um, and you want to have a guy that can sort of go at him and force him uh, to be on his heels a little bit. Cause he, as a freelance defender switching and everything and as a freelance offensive player, he's just uh <laughs> you know, you'll make you scratch your head. He's tough, tough guy to mitigate.
0: Absolutely. All right. I've already kept you too long. You gotta go do like LA things. I don't know if that means you're gonna uh
2: Well we no we got a flight to catch later on today. Um coach Brooks was nice enough to give the guys sort of a late bag pull today. Uh, we got to uh, put our bags in the bus at 11 a.m. So I imagine there's some guys getting some brunch right now in Peverly Hills and just enjoying the L.A. weather. So I might do the same thing.
0: All right. Well, you go do that. Uh, next time we'll have to see. I, I forgot to get into my my stat last year that I tracked, if the Wizards are be- better or worse when John Wall and Brad take a lot of shots. They took a lot of shots yes. last night, oh, like 47%. They did. And they did not do well. So uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to start tracking that one again. Um, yeah, we'll
2: have to start. And again, I, I think that'll be a good one. It's like, as we said earlier, when once Keith comes back, tracking the, uh, the, the sort of the, the stat, the shot distribution will be, uh, interesting. Absolutely. All right. Uh,
0: David, man, you, you, you are the man. I really appreciate it, especially getting up super duper early. Um, you can follow David on Twitter. He's got all kinds of interesting stats. I definitely recommend it. He is at McNubian, M C N U B I A N. Follow him there. And, uh, you know, uh, He's the guy behind the guy on the Wizards broadcast with the stats and the graphics, making everybody look cool. David, appreciate it, man. Have fun on the rest of the trip.
2: All right, Ben. Take care, man. Cool. Thanks.
1: Deal gets, the- gets open for three. Dagger! Bobby's trying. shot. Caught- <laughs> and- and- Dagger! Oh.